Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Very glad to have all of you with us today. I want to get right to the panel uh, because, among other things, we have a brand new poll uh, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution to discuss. I'm going to say right away, for all of you out there who are skeptical about polling, polling is a snapshot of what voters' attitudes are right now. Now, they are not necessarily a predictor of how people are going to eventually cast their ballots in the fall. So I get that disclaimer out of the way as I introduce uh, the man who's writing the stories about the poll for the AJC, my Wednesday partner on Political Rewind, political reporter Greg Bluestein. Got to make that disclaimer, Greg. Yeah, you do. It's a snapshot. It's a really vivid one. It might be the best snapshot we've we've had so far of the race, but it is just that. Um, it, we're still uh, more than three months out. A lot can change. But it does give us an idea of where the electorate is leaning. But I'll say this, too. It echoes other polls uh, that we've seen. There's been a few outliers, but this echoes other polls we've seen, both internal and the public polls we've seen that show the similar dynamic playing, uh, playing out in the streets. We'll uh, get to those uh, uh, numbers in just a moment, but first let me introduce uh, our our other panelists today. We're joined by uh, the CEO of DeKalb County, our friend Michael Thurmond. And as we introduce you, Mike, I suppose we now have to say we're very fortunate we're able to get you to continue doing the show. The Georgia chapter of the American Society of Public Administrators just recognized you as the public administrator of the year. And the quote that they gave in making this award to you says, CEO Thurman's leadership during the pandemic and stewardship of DeKalb County resources is beyond reproach. Congratulations, Mike. It's not easy these days uh, to be the leader of any uh, local government, county government, state government for that matter. Uh, So to be recognized for doing a pretty good job, uh, we congratulate you. Well, thanks, Bill, and first thanks to ASTA for the honor, And but all credit go to the 6,000 men and women I go to work with every day in DeKalb County. We have some of the most dedicated, hardworking employees who support myself and our board of commissioners. Sam Olins, who joins us uh, today, knows how difficult and challenging it can be to run a county as the former uh, 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 chair of the Cobb County Commission. Uh, Of course, Sam Olins went on to become the attorney general for the state of Georgia, and now he is a partner at Denton's, the world's largest law firm. Hi, Sam. Hey, good morning, Bill, and much congrats to Mike. He does a fantastic job for DeKalb County. It's always nice to hear a Republican giving praise to a Democrat. That's why I like the two of you on the show, because you're able to talk so amicably to one another. Uh, Let's get right to the poll, Greg. Um, And if you don't mind, I'd like to start with a broad overview of uh, what the respondents uh, told the pollsters. This was conducted by the University of Georgia, 
and uh, they talked to 902, I think the screen was likely voters. And, and to me, one of the most important findings was more than three quarters of the people polled are concerned the country is headed in the wrong direction. That, that mirrors a lot of polling across the country and national polling. Uh, but now we see that right here in Georgia, uh, there's that dismal, pessimistic view of where we're headed. Yeah, that view, um, that pessimism was deeply rooted that no matter the race, the ideology, the financial standing, the educational background, it, it pervaded every block of voters uh, that we polled in this, in this uh, UGA AJC poll. Uh, the top lines were interesting. Um, you know, they, they, as we said earlier, they echo other polls that show a split-civic dynamic emerging. Um, Governor Kemp was about five points ahead of Stacey Abrams, 48-43, with 7% of likely voters who haven't made up their minds uh, in, in a very small margin. Less than 1% were backing either the Libertarian or an independent candidate. The Senate race was closer. Uh, Warnock, Senator Warnock, the Democrat, uh, had a 46-43 lead over Herschel Walker. It was actually 3.6%, so it's just above the 3.3% margin of error. That's why we say it's a it's a very slight lead. 8% of voters say they're like, they're undecided about the race, and 3% say they'll support the Libertarian Chase Oliver. That's a higher um, that's a higher number than we've seen in other polls. And I think one of the biggest um, number, that, one of the biggest indications we've seen was is that uh, President Biden's approval rating is underwater. 60% of voters disapprove of his performance. About 36 approve. So uh, the Democrats have to far out outperform, in a sense, Joe Biden's lagging performance ratings. And this, again, is a state he, he won less than two years ago. So things have gone south for him uh, very quickly in Georgia. So thanks for giving us uh, those numbers. We're going to dig a little deeper into those race horse races in, in just a minute. But I, but I want to go back, Sam Olins and, and Mike Thurman, to this pessimistic view that Georgians have of the direction we're headed. Um, Sam, I certainly can't recall a time in my life when, um, in this case, Georgians, but Americans more broadly, have been felt this negatively about the direction of our country, Sam? Well, I mean, look, uh, as we've known for decades, the number one issue was always the economy. And uh, inflation uh, has a huge effect on everyday people. Uh, you know, the closest grocery store to me is Walmart. And about two weeks ago, I was going through the store to buy some, some goods and this woman was just shaking her head, and I said, what's up? And she said, every week I come here, every week it costs more, and I need to make decisions about what I can afford. And I think politicians talk about a whole lot of issues, but their ability to do everyday basic things is most important to them, and there's nothing positive occurring at this time. Mike? Of course, I agree with Sam, and, you know, there's always a partisan divide, whereas the, uh, depending on which party holds the White House, uh, if it's Republican, Democrats seem to be more pessimistic, and, you know, the corollary is true uh, when Democrats are in the White House. But what you're really seeing is what Bluestein uh, kind of, uh, not just kind of, but what is polled by the AJC and UGA shows is that Democrats 
have soured on the Democratic leadership in the White House. And so that's why the numbers are so high in, in terms of right track, wrong track. You expect uh, Republican-leaning uh, individuals to feel more pessimistic, but inflation is no respecter of political affiliation. The edge calls more for Republicans and Democrats, and consequently they both are feeling less optimistic about the future. Um, so, Greg, here the question becomes, um, to what extent, we, I, I think we know that the president's approval rating, as low as it is in Georgia, has, is, is going to have an influence on how Georgia voters view uh, the races for U.S. Senate, for governor, and other races on the ballot, which we'll get to on today's show as well. I'm not quite sure we know to the extent that um, the, uh, the notion about the country headed in the wrong direction uh, has an impact on how people choose their, uh, 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 the people they want to see in office. We don't, and, and, and generally, we, we, you know, other polls have also shown pessimism, even when the party in power you know, stays in power. Uh, and some of these voters might be feeling pessimistic, you know, about issues that are happening in Georgia, or they might be upset with the Supreme Court rulings, or or, or other issues that have you know less to do with with Joe Biden um, or the White House. So that's that's one reason it's hard to, um, to to extrapolate too much from that. But what we do know is that Joe Biden's approval ratings themselves are low. And we know a significant number of independents and Democrats, and particularly black Democrats, are upset with the way um, that he is, uh, he's performing in the White House. So that, that is a very big cause for concern for Democrats moving forward. Um, by the way, uh, while we were talking, I said that I can't recall seeing right track, wrong track numbers quite like this before, but I had a chance to just very quickly do a search. And it turns out, we have seen numbers like this quite frequently. Let me give them to you. In 1980, the year, of course, that Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter, who was running for a second term, wrong track was 79%, just about what it is right now. In 1992, when Bill Clinton beat George H.W. Bush running for a second term, wrong track was 75. And in 2008, um, when Barack Obama uh, won the White House uh, in an open election. Uh, uh, the wrong track was uh, 76%. Of course, that was coming out of the uh, the Iraqi war, our, our uh, campaign in Afghanistan. So, Greg, I correct myself. We have seen these wrong track numbers in the past, and they have had a more apparent influence on at least presidential candidates in presidential years. Yes, and look, we're we're a couple of years away from uh, from a White House vote for sure. But um, right now, we're already seeing Democrats do what they can to put some daylight between themselves and Joe Biden. Um, Senator Warnock is talking about a maverick streak. He's talking about issues where he's uh, not aligned with the White House, and, and talking about uh, focusing on Georgia. And Stacey Abrams, you know, she's running a state race, so she's talking about state-related issues mostly. But look, Republicans, as we've seen uh, already, and we'll see plenty between now and November, are going to do everything they can to tie those Democrats and others on the ballot to Joe Biden. Mike? Look, uh, one thing I want to fly up on uh, Bluestein. One thing about polling, and Bill, you were so right, it is a point in time. And But let me tell you what the most challenging part of any poll is to predict turnout. Actually, who is actually going to go and actually vote? And if you think about the numbers as they are today, but if you think about the candidate, 
and which candidate has the most successful track record of turning out voters uh, currently on the ballot right now. And that candidate, of course, is Stacey Abrams. So what the poll can't predict is who will actually cast the ballot. And that predictive model ultimately decides who will win and who will lose. Mike, I want to ask you one last question, since you are the one person on this panel today who actually presides over a local government. How is the negative view of our future or the track we're on, how do you see it in the everyday life of the people you interact with in DeKalb County? Extremely challenging. Uh, One employee stopped me in the lobby and talking about the the sharp increase in prices at the grocery store and gas and so forth. And she was telling me how she and her daughter, how they've decided to become vegetarian because they just can't afford to buy meat and chicken. And it's real. And one of the things I would suggest that oftentimes, all the time, leadership is forward, not doing times of uh, when the sun is shining and the skies are blue. Leadership is forward during times of controversy and challenge. And oftentimes, politicians like myself, we like to operate with the wind at our backs. This is a moment in the history of our nation where politicians need to turn into the wind and confront it. I'm a little frustrated a little bit. You know, the group that came up with transitory inflation, now we're going to argue with the definition of a recession. Doesn't matter. If you're a working person, and you can't afford the gas or the food or the clothes to send your child back to school in a couple of weeks. You don't care what the technical definition of recession may or may not be. And I'm, and I'm, just, I'm convinced that our leadership in this nation on both aisles have to acknowledge and address the issues being faced by average citizens. That's the pessimism. It's not that these things are happening. It's just that we don't feel as if anyone is really in a position who cares or have an idea about how to extract us from it. Well, actually, that statement leads us into talking a little bit, Sam Olins, about one of the findings in this poll, which is that Brian Kemp is at 48%, uh, whereas uh, Stacey Abrams is at 43%. Now, you said that was uh, the least surprising thing that is, you've seen this morning, because, in fact, we've seen numbers like that in other polling as well. Um, but to what extent, I mean, Stacey Abrams, Sam, it is working to build her campaign around real issues that she believes will, in fact, motivate voters to get out to the polls. Um, and yet, uh, it, it doesn't seem to have uh, so far uh, registered too, uh, in too big a way with voters, Sam. Yawn, yawn. The voters are not interested in the issue she's raising. The voters are interested in the grocery store, just as Mike and I said previously. Uh, It's not to say that she doesn't have the right to make all these proposals, but I think Brian Kemp is right that that's energy wasted. People want to know about the future with regard to their ability to pay their bills. Um, And uh, I I think one of the Republican talking points was he doesn't need to present a whole bunch of policies. He can talk about what he's done the last X number of years. And I frankly think that's correct. I I think the other point is, let's face it, as good as Stacey is in getting people energized, 
she's swimming uphill due to the president and that lack of emotion with the president. Greg, jump in. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting what Sam just said, because we are hearing some some different policy statements from Stacey Abrams. Just this morning, she came out with a plan to boost affordable housing in Georgia and go after predatory landlords. This is an issue that we at the AJC have been writing a lot about, and that, and that Commissioner, that CEO Thurman deals with every single day. Um, but it's not something that we see, you know, reflecting in the polls. It's not something that, you know, it, it's not up there with the economy or with, with guns or with um, social issues like the abortion uh, issue. Um, so she's, she's kind of um, framing her campaign around um, issues that are so important to so many voters, but, they're, but, but she'll get criticism because, you know, she's not out there today talking about inflation. She's not out there talking to, today, at least, at least today, about high energy prices um, while she's talking about affordable housing and these other policies. Okay, but, but then, Greg, let me look at it. I'm not sure that there isn't a contradiction here. On one hand, the president's approval rating uh, uh, is, is based to some extent on voters being dissatisfied about inflation. They take it out on the president. Um, Brian Kemp, as governor of the state, isn't being punished because of uh, inflation, because people see it as something that's a national issue. But now you're also saying that Stacey Abrams ought to figure out a way to do more to address the cost of goods and services, or else she's not going to have much success moving forward, Greg. It feels like a strange contradiction. It, it, it is it is tough, right? Uh, you know, it, Governor Kemp can talk about low unemployment rates, but can rail against uh, the White House for high inflation. At the same time, he can link everything that she that she does and she's proposing to Joe Biden. And you know, she can make the case that the state government has very little to do with inflation and national and international economic trends. She's real tough, but in general. Um, you know, when, when we've talked to, to her about um, her plans to curb inflation and, and do what she can in terms of the, uh, the economic trends, she's talked about a billion-dollar tax refund to help Georgians, you know, plot out and plan out how they're spending their money and, and suspending the gas tax, uh, the state sales tax on gas for the rest of the year. Issues like that, um, which, which will have an impact on, on folks' wallets. Um, but, the, you know, there's only so much that a state governor can do about long-term economic trends. Well, yeah, well, and I've read and seen information from the Abel campaign. We all know something. Don't underestimate Brian Kemp. He's an excellent tactician in terms of politics. So you have to give him credit, you know, look at the race that he ran against Purdue and just basically eviscerated him. But at the same time, I just think it's important. Uh, right now, the difference, I think, between Abrams and Kemp is not so much his policies is the fact that he took on Trump. And Trump was a gift from the gods for Brian Kemp because it, it moderated him in the eyes of some voters. Uh, but what you said is early, and at the end of the day, it's going to be about turnout. And, you know, voter emotion and motivation can turn. And one of the things the polls showed to me is the races are still tossed up. With all, even with Herschel Walker, and, you know, and I think Warnock is showing that he can appeal beyond the Democratic base. But what shocked me about the poll is that Herschel Walker is still at 43%. With all the stuff that's being exposed in the media about him, it, that's the most surprising number 
that I saw Greg. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's what surprised me most. He's still right in this race, right? All the controversies, all the um, uh, all the issues he's faced, all the scandals, all the negative uh, coverage. He's still at forty three percent with room to grow, right? There's still a significant number of um, of voters, seven or eight percent, who are undecided. And if you look closer at the cross tabs, um, there's also uh, you know some positive news for him because because of the split tickets we're talking about. Four percent of Kent voters are backing Senator Warnock. Another four percent are backing the Libertarian candidate, and another uh, another um, percentage, seven or eight percent, are undecided. So that shows that there's a number of Republicans out there who could still be persuadable, who could still, especially those who who are leaning towards the Libertarian candidate, who um, Herschel Walker can still win back. He has to run a, a very strong campaign between now and, and November to do so, but he's he's got an avenue to to, to surpass um, to surpass Senator Warnock right now. You know, Sam, just, you know, it's her, yeah, go ahead. You please go ahead, Sam. No so just as a lot of Republicans would still support Donald Trump again, uh, if and when he runs for president, it's frankly no surprise to me that uh, that the Warnock race is so close. I mean, those folks are going to vote for him no matter what he says. The, the race that I thought was interesting was Secretary of State, where there's a 14% spread between the incumbent Brad Raffensperger and the Democrat B. Wynn. Um, clearly, Brad's getting a lot of D votes from people who appreciate the fact that he uh, did the right thing when it came to Donald Trump and his uh, minions. Well, um, let me just I, say this. From, I'm from Athens. I grew up cheering for Herschel Walker. He's one of the greatest college football players ever. But from so far... He's one horrible candidate for the U.S. Senate, so maybe that'll change, but wow. All right. We, we got a lot to unpack based on things that were just said, so let me go to one of those things. Uh, Greg, uh, the Libertarian, according to your polling, Chase Oliver, is at 3%. Now, what that could portend is the potential for a general election runoff if these numbers don't change a great deal between uh, now and Election Day, and uh, s the Republicans in recent <laughs> you know, history have not done particularly well when it comes to runoffs. Yes, uh, you know, uh, well, Republicans have not, did not do well in runoffs in 2021. They have in every contest and every runoff. Before well, that, in the so, past, but um, the last, their last experience was a negative one. The last experience was not a memory they want to <laughs> they want to recall, um, but uh, you know, usually these libertarian numbers start to start to narrow as, as November nears. But we just don't know with this race. Look, when you compare it to the governor's race, libertarians' numbers is under one, are under one percent. Um, we don't know if, if the libertarians' numbers in this race will shrink that much because some of these Republicans, as we just mentioned, some of these voters are Republicans who are voting for the libertarian as a protest against Herschel Walker. Now, when the rubber meets the road, and after four more months of negative ads that, that compare um, Warnock to Biden and Warnock to everything bad that's happening in the country, um, and when Republicans you know, have, are opposed to the question, vote for Herschel Walker or vote for a Democratic Senate, where will they lean? We'll find out, but I've already talked to a number of voters who said that they'll hold their nose and vote for Herschel Walker because it means voting for Republican control of the Senate. All right, uh, let's take our first break of the show, but I think Sam Olin's made a really interesting point that I do want to pick up on when we come back, and that's the results of some of the down-ballot races. 
that the AJC poll shows. So uh, we'll do that and talk about a lot more when Political Rewind continues in just a moment. Former Georgia Attorney General Sam Olins, DeKalb County CEO Michael Thurman, and AJC political reporter Greg Bluestein on today's show. Greg, uh, Sam Olins has already pointed out that in the Secretary of State's race, which uh, you polled, Raffensperger has a commanding lead over uh, Democrat uh, B. Wynn, and Sam already pointed out that he assumes that we've got Democrats who are willing to vote for Raffensperger uh, because they want to reward him for standing against Trump, but also perhaps because they think he's shown integrity in how he'll perform the duties of the office. That's a hard one for B. Wynn to counter. That is, and, and Sam's exactly right. Our poll shows that 16% of Raffensperger's support are Democrats who say they'll cross party lines to back him. He also has a significant number of independents who are supporting him. And this is sort of a nightmare scenario for Democrats, you know, who who it was safe to assume for a lot of people, including me, that uh, the Congressman Jody Heiss or another Trump-backed candidate last year would would win, uh, would defeat Brad Raffensperger. I mean, there are some who thought Brad Raffensperger wouldn't even uh, qualify to run. His his fortunes look so dim in the Republican Party. Uh, not only did it beat Jody Heiss and another challenger in the primary, um, but now he has a commanding lead. And Bean Wynn's, uh, you know, counter-argument is that Brad Raffensperger is no friend to the Democrats either. But so many Democrats, so many voters in Georgia uh, writ large know him as the guy who stood up against Donald Trump, um, heard his conversation on that infamous phone call, saw him testify before the January 6th committee about that phone call. All these things, they're seeping into the electorate, and it's really hard for Democrats to counter that. Um, Sam, uh, you're welcome to comment on that if you want, but I'd also like to uh, uh, throw in the uh, polling numbers for the lieutenant governor's race, um, which also shows a Republican, uh, the Republican Burt Jones in the lead over Charlie Bailey. It's a much closer contest. It's 41-36. But Libertarian candidate Ryan Graham gets 7 percent of the vote, according to the AJC poll. And I, it's a little more... I don't know quite how to calculate the support for Burt Jones. Um, if on one hand people are picking Brad Raffensperger because he held the line against Donald Trump, Burt Jones was one of the cheerleaders for the fake election, for the stolen election uh, strategy here in Georgia, Sam. Well, I mean, look, the, the uh, pro-Trumpers are going to vote for Brad over B, as much as they disagreed with Brad. With regard to the lieutenant governor election, the only thing we've really heard out of Charlie is uh, Bert's a bad guy and Stacy supports me. Uh, and candidly, that, that's a tough situation because um, in a statewide election, he can't raise money to get out a message. Charlie can't raise money to get out a message. So I think that's going to be a straight party vote. So I think you're going to continue to see the LG polling go exactly as the Kemp Abrams voting goes. Mike, uh, now the AJC has not released their findings on the attorney general's uh, race. Uh, Chris Carr uh, versus Jen Jordan, I suspect that's coming. 
uh, and be'll be part of a larger story. But just to see the lieutenant governor and the Secretary of State polling numbers, uh, this is not a particularly good news poll for Democrats who are hoping they really may have an opportunity to pick up for the first time in many years state constitutional offices. Well, it's early, and, you know, the polling looks like the electorate that generally votes in a state race, uh, but it's early. One of the things clearly all Democrats recognize is that Donald Trump is an albatross around the neck of Republicans. It's showing up positively and negatively. The Republicans who push back against the, the really the attempt to overthrow an American election of benefiting from it. You see it in the Secretary of State's race, as Greg pointed out. You see it to some extent in the governor's race. But at the same time, uh, one thing we can all hope for, if you're a Democrat, is that Trump will decide to come and campaign for Herschel and the rest of the Republican ticket between there and November. I know that they're all sitting there pining away, just hoping that the former president will show up. I doubt that. Uh, but I think Democrats are more energized than the pollsters are actually showing. There's hidden energy inside the Democratic electorate that's going to net a much larger turnout than is being at least expected at this point in time. Greg, I want to give you a chance before we move on to give us your just general thoughts about what the numbers that you've released today tell you about the state of this race, whether it's the top uh, 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 contests on the ballot for Senate and governor, whether it's those down-ballot races. What do you conclude, again, looking at this snapshot of a moment in the election? Yeah, we're starting to see the contours of, of a very close race shaping out. And uh, uh, not just this poll, but other public polls and internal data we've seen show um, that, that Governor Kemp has a small but steady lead four, five, six points in most of these polls, and that Senator Warnock has a small but steady lead. So there is a real chance of a split ticket here. Who knows how things will, will pan out as these races tend to tighten. Um, and, and who knows what external factors like the economy. Uh, we're, we're in for what looks like some, some more really tough economic news this week alone, and we're expecting um, the top Republican candidates to really pivot their messages even more towards inflation and high energy prices and the like right now. Um, but we, we really have a, a legit chance right now, at least, at, at some sort of split-tick dynamic, which is unique in Georgia. <laughs> you know, we had a split-tick in the runoffs, but that was with the PSC race um, that very few people were paying attention to uh, with the Senate candidates at the top of the ballot. So we don't see that often. We see so many straight-ticket voters. Uh, we might seeing, be seeing the start of, uh, of, a, of a new dynamic here. Sam Olins, um, you have certainly uh, made it clear that you have many issues with the Trump Republican uh, party, but uh, you are still, I think, identified as a Republican, and I think uh, Brian, you support Brian Kemp. Um, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, so, how do you see this poll as good news for Republicans in general? Um, perhaps as not great. Well, well, let me just not ask too many questions and give you a chance to comment as you want to. So I, I don't have a party. I'm partyless. Not sure that's a word. Greg can correct me. Um, I'm conservative. But since Trump is the party, I don't have a party. Uh, I think Brian Kemp has done a very good job with a very difficult 
set of facts throughout his first term. Uh, personally, I like Stacy. I worked with her when she was the House Minority Leader. So at the same time, I, I think Kemp has done a very good job as governor, and he deserves to be reelected. I am not going to make any negative comments towards Stacy because I, I personally like her and, and think she's very bright. I think that what you're going to see, absent a huge change, which is very likely, noting the months between now and November, is that these poll numbers are going to frankly be pretty consistent. I'm, I'm not look, looking for any distinction. Uh, I do think that uh, towards the end, when uh, Senator Warnock introduces the dog again uh, in his commercials, that that's going to help him because I think those commercials were the best political commercials I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, when he when that dog decides to lick his chin again, that's votes come in in the bank. Um, and it, it was, you know, while it wasn't intended, it was one hell of a great commercial. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, look, I get Mike's earlier point. I think, I think um, the UGA hero uh, has got to stop making constant unforced errors if he expects to win this race. Mike, your final thoughts before we take a break. Georgia, contrary to what? Some of us is not a blue state or a red state. It's a purple state. And when you get to this point in the game, it's all about the independent, uh, moderate voters ultimately determine who wins and who loses. And so one of the things that ultimately will decide this is which one of the candidate or candidates or party can appeal to those voters who, who will uh, and who are engaged in the various issues. The partisans are going to vote party. That's just the way it is, always has been. This race will be determined by those who can be persuaded and who will turn out. All right, uh, let's get to our final break of the show. And we, when we come back, we have a lot more to talk about on today's Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. I think we're really fortunate to have the former attorney general of the state of Georgia and a current head of uh, DeKalb County on the show today, Greg Bluestein, because one of the things we can talk about is what's developing in terms of some local jurisdictions where uh, we have law enforcement officials, uh, district attorneys and others saying they do not plan to enforce Georgia's um, new, uh, very restrictive abortion law. And it's become, of course, an issue in the attorney general's race where Jen Jordan has made it clear that if she's elected, she would make it a very low priority. She may not have used that word. Maybe she said she doesn't want to pursue it at all. But this is a, a bubbling up issue that will certainly play out in the campaigns moving forward. Yeah, it might be the biggest issue in the AG's race right now. Um, you, you know, Jen Jordan's decision to not use taxpayer resources to defend 
the, the state's anti-abortion law against any legal challenges. But we're, we're seeing the battleground shift, not just to the courthouse, but to local governments, because we, we expected this. We already saw law, some law enforcement officials saying they would deprioritize sort of any investigations um, uh, into uh, perceived violations, potential violations of this law. We're hearing from local DAs who say they won't uh, bring cases. Uh, uh, you know, involving any potential violations. And we're also hearing from local mayors who want to make their town safe harbors, they say, um, who say they won't be using any public resources whatsoever to enforce the law. Um, so it's, it's, it's really sharpened the debate because we have some other prosecutors who are saying, hey, we don't, we don't get to pick and choose what laws we, we, we enforce. Um, that's for lawmakers to decide, not for, not for us. We just have to enforce the laws. And so we're going to start seeing, I think, more of these as we have stories as we have individual cases, um, uh, you know, arise like we've seen in some other states where their anti-abortion laws have already taken effect. Uh, Sam Olins, I saw your a quote from you in, an, I think it was an AJC article already some time ago, when this question of whether uh, local law enforcement can, in fact, uh, choose not to pursue cases around the abortion law. And I think you said that you feel that it well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you think it's it's wrong, right? Okay, so I'm going to answer your question without referencing abortion, because the legal issue is for all such matters where a prosecutor may disagree, uh, and so I don't want to link it to a particular issue, and I'm doing that intentionally for numerous reasons. When Mike Bowers was AG, he took a case to the Supreme Court involving sodomy. Uh, the Georgia law was overturned. He made it abundantly clear whether he agreed with the law or not, it was his job to defend it. When Thurber Baker was Attorney General, and I'm sure Mike remembers this, there was an issue involving a teenager who was imprisoned and uh, I'm intentionally not mentioning the teenager's name. Uh, and he took a lot of grief from the religious community, and his comment was, I'm defending the law. When I was attorney general, I similarly defended numerous laws I did not personally agree with, but it was my job to defend those laws based on the oath of office when I was elected. I think it is very um, unfortunate when an attorney general or candidate for attorney general chooses to pick and choose which state laws to defend and which not to. I think it's inconsistent with the oath and it's a bad practice. Uh, Mike, where does DeKalb County, you're, you're obviously not the chief law enforcement official in DeKalb County. The DA is a separate entity from your office. but. How are things developing in DeKalb County, and where do you stand on all this? Uh, our DA, Ms. Sherry Boston, who is a person that I respect and admire tremendously, is taking the position that she will not expend any county resources uh, to prosecute uh, anyone uh, who seeks to exercise the right uh, to make a choice about their lives uh, on abortion, and I respect her and I respect her uh, decision. But let me say this. So if the Supreme Court removes the federal uh, constitutional right uh, to make that choice, then the, the, the uh, 
did the Supreme Court then decide that it's only a state-level issue? What I thought was that they removed the federal protection. So at that point, then, if it now becomes the issue at the state, why shouldn't it also be an issue at the local level? Isn't that basically what they decided, that these now become local issues? And nothing, the state is not necessarily the most local forum in which these issues can be debated or decided, to be quite honest with you. And oftentimes challenges to state laws begin at the local level. So I would suspect that this is what Justice Thomas and those who voted in the majority understood, expected, and I think no one should be surprised about that now the focus has shifted to state and local government. All right. So, Mike, let me add a layer to this. I believe your next county commission meeting is on August 2nd. I think Commissioner Ted Terry has, I know Ted Terry has already made it clear, he intends to introduce a measure that would decriminalize um, abortion uh, providers, the, the, the uh, handling of abortions, the performing of abortions in DeKalb County. Your thoughts on his moving forward with that, and what are you hearing from other commissioners about it? I've not had any detailed discussion with other commissioners or the county attorney, but obviously he has the right to do that. This is what the net result of the decision from Mississippi was all about, giving local people, local elected officials, the opportunity now to determine the direction that we would want to go as a jurisdiction, as a county, as a state. And this is going to play out over the next several years, if not decades, as we sort through these very complex, uh, almost unsolvable issues. And this is the reality. And you can't have it both ways. If there's no constitutional protection, then that means that it's up to local leaders at the local and state level to make these types of decisions. Greg? Yeah, I think the CEO is exactly right. I mean, this is going to be years of legal battles, not just over the anti-abortion restrictions, but about the personhood uh, provisions in the law as well. That there's so many gray areas and questions that, that, that this uh, Supreme Court decision uh, generated from this. But uh, I think I think the battleground is shifting. In a, in a major way, again, not just at the courthouse, but from local governments, and we're going to start seeing more of this. The question is, will we see doctors, um, you know, uh, continue to provide abortions? Um, will we see doctors and medical providers look for ways um, to continue uh, providing these medical services, um, even when um, there is a gray area around the services they're providing? Um, we'll start seeing some of those stories that we're seeing in some other states. We might start seeing some examples in Georgia that will really, um, that, that will really generate even more attention and even more legal action, I think. So Sam? Mike and I at numerous times have stated that potholes aren't partisan. There's not a Republican or a Democratic pothole. Local governments are acting more partisan at their peril. While there are clearly outstanding issues as to whether the state constitution and the alleged heightened right of privacy affect the Supreme Court decision, I don't believe, and there's also questions about personhood, as Greg just stated, I do not think there is a role for local government to be passing ordinance with regard to that state law. I think if the commission passes such an ordinance, it will immediately be challenged. I do agree we're going to be in litigation for years making numerous lawyers wealthy.
but uh, I think uh, for those individuals who disagree with the Supreme Court decision, I think the lawsuit filed yesterday by the ACLU is the appropriate vehicle. Sam, I'm glad you mentioned that because not being a lawyer, I I could use some clarification from both you and Mike Thurmond on this. So yes, yesterday, uh, ACLU, Sister Song, uh, other organizations that are pro-choice filed a lawsuit in which they say that Georgia's privacy statute uh, or constitutional provision is much stronger than that in the U.S. Constitution and uh, that that this new abortion law could be a violation of the privacy statute, among other reasons, because it could make available medical records that are, are private and do not deserve to be shared publicly. So, Sam, I understand why that lawsuit uh, seems to you to be a legitimate way to proceed. But isn't it just as legitimate, Sam, for a municipality, a county, to decide to, say, in the case of DeKalb, decriminalize uh, the pursuit of abortion as a as a uh, as a violation of statute, and then use that to move a case of as far as the state supreme court uh, it, it goes. Is that not also a legitimate avenue? In my humble opinion, no. Mike and the and the challenge I face if there was a referendum in the Cab County, and my good friend, the former Attorney General and Greg, all know that if this issue was put on a ballot in DeKalb County as to whether or not a woman should have the right to choose, I would think a vast majority of the voters in DeKalb County would vote yes. Uh, just yesterday, I read in the uh, Athens Banner Herald, uh, the, uh, the Athens City Council is voting to decriminalize possession of marijuana less than an ounce. I mean, local jurisdictions have a right to make a decision about what and what they believe uh, is legal and uh, ethical. The other problem, Bill, is it's very rare in the history of this nation where a right once granted has been taken away uh, from citizens. I can think of three. One, uh, the right to uh, own and enslave uh, black people was taken away, granted through the Constitution. Uh, the right to consume alcoholic beverages was taken away, uh, rightly so, but then restored at the appropriate time. And the problem is, here's a right granted nearly 50 years taken away. People are not going to sit by quietly and accept that as reality. But, but Mike, the ship has sailed on that argument as far as the U.S. Supreme Court is concerned. They've said Roe v. Wade is no longer the law of the land. Now, you might want to use that argument in how uh, a case like uh, ACLU moves up through uh, the state courts. But, Mike... The Supreme Court has already said, uh, sorry, this was this right should never have been granted in the first place. Unless until you change the composition, new judges are appointed. Uh, we know that at some point in the future, this decision will be overturned. Uh, it, I'm not saying it's going to be this year or anytime soon. Uh, give the, uh, 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 the uh, pro-life group credit. They fought 50 years to overturn this decision. It was a 50-year fight. And don't think for once that they are not citizens who are willing to fight just as aggressively and, and honestly to overturn this decision. And there will be a point in time where it occurred. But you have to continue these fights at the lower level in order to get back to a Supreme Court decision that restores the right that was taken away. And it will happen. It won't necessarily be in my political lifetime, but we'll see it. 
Greg, this is why this is an issue that is going to continue to, in many cases, baffle us in terms of how it's going to be handled moving forward. Exactly. And this is why it's going to be so interesting to watch how it plays out in the, in the November elections and, and beyond with Republican lawmakers, who, who, at least some of them, who say they want to um, revisit anti-abortion restrictions next year and maybe even push for more stringent restrictions. Um, because we've already heard from Stacey Abrams, she, she feels like um, uh, fighting, uh, working to repeal anti-abortion legislation is her top priority. And we've heard from Governor Kemp, who said he's overjoyed by the court's ruling, but is also not trying to make it the centerpiece of his campaign whatsoever. He wants to focus on the economy, on inflation, on high energy prices, and on Joe Biden. Sam, uh, to, to what extent do you imagine, and, and I know the AJC, there's no question we're going to see polling numbers on this from them uh, as they continue to release their poll, but, but Sam, uh, what we've seen in other polling is that although Democrats are, are hoping that the Supreme Court ruling will energize, mobilize their voters uh, to turn out to the polls, and we know Stacey Abrams has, has said it's a big issue, a major issue in her campaign, uh, the polling so far uh, doesn't show that it is the kind of issue that, that uh, Democrats hope it will become. There's still time, of course, but right now it doesn't seem to be a, a major motivating factor. And I don't think it will be. I think, as Mike and I stated at the very beginning of the show, the economy is number one, number two, and number three. And telling folks you're going to do X and Y when it's expected that the majority of the legislature will still be Republican, to me, is an exercise in futility. Um, you know, we all want a better Georgia. We all want a more united Georgia. We all want uh, great things for our state. Uh, I just wish that uh, we were getting there faster. Mike Thurman, let me give you a last word on this before we have to say goodbye for today. It's unfortunate, but this is who we are. It's been extremely politicized. I think the big loser in this is the apparent or at least the perceived reality that the court may just be another political institution, that the Supreme Court has been uh, forever uh, tarnished as being all about politics and the next election. And historically, it's set in a place that I grew up believing beyond the politics and the back and forth. And that may have been the great loser in all of this. Well, that probably started in 2000 when it was the United States Supreme Court that decided that George W. Bush was going to be the next president of the United States, uh, not Al Gore. But you're certainly right. It's become more and more politicized, or at least the view of the court has been more and more considered political political in the years since. We're completely out of time uh, for today's show. I have to say I always appreciate it when we have Sam Olins and Michael Thurman on uh, because they are two uh, 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 people who have worked hard uh, in politics, in public policy throughout their careers and can, and can talk about it with uh, such uh, an amicable approach to the whole thing. And Greg Bluestein, we're delighted always to have you with us as well. We're out of time for today. It's a newsletter day here at Political Rewind. If you're not a subscriber, we'd love to have you join us. It'll be delivered to your inbox every Wednesday afternoon. Just go to gpb.org newsletters and you'll find us there. 
That's it. We're out of time. We'll be back again with a brand new show tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Bill Nygut. Please take care and stay healthy. Bye, everybody. <laughs>